straight and, and straight and backward as well. Yeah, and I was and thinking explore that all kinds of things. What that had been was seeing the bird in two separate times uh, superimposed over each other. Yeah. Or what and this was around two thousand one where people were and I experienced it myself, um, were having what was later dubbed time bubbles. In other words, uh, we have a sliding door in the we have a number of sliding doors in the house. And um, the sliding door was both open and closed at the same time. Yes, I see what you mean. To my yeah. perception, so I had perceived the door that is so in wild. two different times. That exact thing happened when we were at Michael's today and we were leaving Michael's, the store. Mm -hmm. I saw the door, but then I saw an opening here. Yeah. And I thought, this, it's all superimposed. And that, it's sort of a, akin to deja vu. When, when there are two realities happening at the same time and our brain becomes aware of them, which I think is pretty interesting. But Voulez-vous déjà vu? Yeah, maybe we will, we will do that déjà vu stuff on another show because it's really interesting. But tonight maybe we're going to talk... Maybe we've already done it. Hmm? Maybe we've already done we it. We have done it a couple of times, mm -hmm. yes. Literally and uh, déjà vu-wise. But tonight's topic is motives. And I, I would like to explain that a little bit. The thing is, is that everything we do has a motivation of some sort. And I remember one time somebody else got their feelings hurt over something I had done, and I felt really awful about that. I thought, oh, I don't wish to cause anybody pain yeah, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just stopped that guilt right in the midstream, and I said, well, what was my motive? And I thought, well, my motive was to be very kind and loving and they took it however they took it. So I really have to be true to myself and look at my own motives. And there are times when people will misunderstand you or think something about you that may not be true. And there's nothing you can do to go over and change them. If you, as long as you know your motives and that everything you do in life really is funded by love and that if you get in touch with that, you never have to go into that guilt lake ever again and also to see that everything you do in life you do because you love you and it, it's a completely different universe that you love you you are on your own side everything that you do is on your side even if you can't see it on some of our other level it really is and that we that we're always doing the best we can well this new um, consciousness just because we're we've opened up this idea of time uh, perhaps a decade ago, um, further back in time than that, I heard it through Dunvalo, but it, I've heard it in a lot of different places since then. And it's been people have been talking about human being, not human doing. Okay, and um, the one place the language got it correct, we are human beings. If the language is as detrimental, we would be calling ourselves human doings. Okay, so this idea of being and um, once you arrive at this concept of being, it is much easier to um, recognize motivation within yourself, but that's another topic. But the idea of the being version of the human being and one conscious of being instead of, I had the epiphany based on um, you know, meditating in the morning and uh, I normally, um, I do a meditation and whatever breaks into the meditation, generally turns out to be things I want to do in the day. You know, I'll be there meditating and, oh, I got to 
walk the dog or oh you know whatever has to you know comes in and I figure what comes in could be a, a list of what it is that's it's going especially to be troubling because you don't have a dog don't tell the cats. I've been feeding them dog food for years now, and they're convinced. They think they're dogs. I, well, uh, I've never does seen bark. a cat fetch a stick like wah, that. Wah, wah. And that's true, too. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, idea of um, this one meditation this one morning, I recognized that I didn't have to do anything. I, I'm evidently not explaining it well enough, but I had a revelation that you just don't have to do anything. It's nothing to be concerned about. There is simply being and everything else. I know other people have different points of view. I'm not, not saying, but this is one correct answer, that simply being will take care of the whole thing. Well, I think, I think it's, I, I hear you, and I agree. I think that um, a finer point to that is that the idea of have to do anything That's true. and that your your value is tied to what you're doing mm -hmm. and and that's where it's a diminishing thing because certainly mm. the doing of things is a wonderful experience doing is a form of being as you're doing and working yeah. but it's the judgment that you have to get out of the bed and do this speaking. unless yeah. and, and unless you're um, doing that that you're not important and I, I usually tell people that you're of the same value whether you're sitting on a log in the forest staring at a, a tree or you're in a laboratory curing cancer. There is always the same value of us. Mm -hmm. And then the doing becomes sourced through our love and what we would love to do. And that is an expression or an extension of our being. Well, when we're interrupting it with that guilt, that's when... It's just yeah. a finer point of what you were saying. Yeah, and uh, if I can uh, correctly express or just express the freedom that I found in that moment, which is what I wish to express, mm -hmm. that I am not obliged, mm -hmm. that simply being your you know, person on a log or wherever, you know, that, that the gazing meditation, the idea that just simply be, and that's it. Now, if you really do go through life simply being, nothing can really adversely affect. I had a, a great revelation, so I'm out in the back and I'm assembling this thing and I'm really into the Zen and I'm, I'm, it's screwing together this cabinet. I'm just perfectly in it and a mosquito. Okay, and oh, another mosquito and then 10 mosquitoes and then 100 mosquitoes and then 10,000 mosquitoes Yikes. and 100,000 mosquitoes. And I'm running around with the um, uh, spraying the, with the Windex, and the mosquitoes go, <laughs> they go away, and then they come back. So I'm going, okay. And then I, I said, okay, this, this adversity, the mosquitoes attacking me, is really harshing my zen with this whole project. <laughs> so I'm just refocusing on the joy that I was getting from assembling the cabinet. And the mosquitoes actually left. Absolutely, they will. Right, exactly. Okay, so this was my particular epiphany of my command over whatever it is that's supposed to be so negative. So adversity provided tutelage for enlightenment. Yes. Because once I let go of the annoyance and went back to the focus, the annoyance didn't, wasn't funded anymore. It Absolutely. simply vanished. 
And that's what I was talking about or attempting to explain that you morning. You explained it, yeah. That I had the I am just being, that's all I am required to do is be. That's what I was talking about. I gotcha. I was just giving okay. you my point of view too. I wasn't yeah. negating that by any means. I agree with that completely. What, what reminded me, uh, or you reminded me of something with the mosquito story. I don't know if anybody <laughs> ever, um, here, put the camera on Neville. He's acting funny. I am, actually. Okay. He's scratching himself like a dog. Um, but we're all aware of it here in the studio. Um, Doug Boyd's Rolling Thunder. I don't know if anybody remembers reading that. I read it a long time ago. And I really don't remember any of the book except this one thing where this, they were all outside somewhere and there were bees everywhere. And this lady, oh, bee. And she was swatting at it and fighting it. And the bee just pursued her relentlessly and several other bees showed up. And Rolling Thunder said, that's not the way you get the bees to leave you alone. What you do is you allow them to be who they are and what they are, and they won't feel signal to you. They won't feel your resistance and everything. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what she did. And I, I had read this probably, I don't know when it came out, but it was soon after the book came out. I was still fairly young. And I adopted that everywhere I went with gnats and flies and everything, and nothing would ever land on me. Then I started doing it with raindrops. I had read something else, I don't know if it was in that book, oh. that if you walk in the rain and you really get zen-like with that and you just choose not to get wet, that you can walk just in a completely relaxed state and get to the other side and not even be wet. Whereas if you tense up and run, you'll get soaked. So I would invite everybody to do that next time because it's really a, oh, absolutely. A, an excellent yeah. exercise, very similar to yours. And I even watched, we had a repairman come out one time working on uh, something and he had made a comment about mosquitoes. We were outside and mm -hmm. immediately thousands of mosquitoes seemingly were all over and we were hitting them. So it is yeah. true. But our motives are, are really different and we are always, I was talking to somebody recently about something somebody had done to them and it reminded me of my father who seemed very controlling. He was not so much later I realized but at the time he seemed very controlling with little things and then one day I just got the awareness that that was just pure love flowing through his fear so the things we do to each other that look rude or irritating or anger inspiring are really love working through our fears so he had a fear about life so his love working through his fear meant to control everything somebody that's irritable and yelling, their fear that it's a dangerous universe is present and the love to reaching out and touching people goes through that particular fear and makes them grumpy all the time. It's an incredible perspective shift. To me, that was like the epiphany level of what you were talking about with waking up with the beingness and not having to do anything. To me, it's like everybody's motive is, is love but what fear is it circling through? And when you look at it that way, you don't react, and you can start seeing the bigger picture. Excellent. Yeah. Everything, actually, that happens is love once we can recognize That's my it. point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so whatever is done to a child in front of a child, whatever is done in front of a child, the child will interpret that as love. So if it is one parent yelling at the other parent, then the child takes on the idea that love is yelling. And so when they are yelling at whatever gender, 
um, that is their method of expressing love, and I'm agreeing with what you're well, saying. Well, I, I agree so with that, the, too. That, but that, in particular, is more of the habitual learned thing. Mm -hmm. I, I just would like to define this because I think it would be very liberating for people. Sure. I'm talking about the love that is expressed through a fear, which is usually some kind of a confrontive type of a behavior or a controlling, manipulative, anger-inspired, hurt-inspired thing. It's always love working through a fear. And so if you accept the love and remove it from it, the fear just sits there and remains, and you can have great compassion for the person because we can all relate to having a fear and uh, help them through it instead of reacting to it. Yeah. But, but you're right. We, we are a product of our beliefs and our experiences as well. And uh, we were going to discuss uh, motivation. Uh, we, we are, yeah. Motivations. We're and that was my, a motivation uh, right then, the motivation of the fear. The, but the love is the motivator to, attempting to push past that. So a lot of the motivations are not conscious. I believe we can all Most agree with that not, yes. statement. Uh, and that you suddenly just find yourself yelling or screaming or uh, shooting or slowly poisoning or whatever or it might be. Or yeah, or any of the other unconscious forms. We have uh, for years spoken of uh, fear, doubt, worry, and guilt. And another thing that they have, we had said for years they all have the same five-word definition, which is a truth, which is uh, fear, doubt, worry, and guilt mean I can't handle it if. They are synonyms for I can't handle it if. That's what they mean. Everybody's got that, right? Okay, so. The idea of uh, fear, doubt, worry, and guilt are also methods of becoming unconscious. The minute you're afraid, you go unconscious. The minute you doubt, you go unconscious. The minute you worry, uh, the minute you feel guilty, unconscious. Which leads us to the idea of, well, okay, fine, so that makes me unconscious. Uh, uh, query, yes. Uh, what, what could I do to become conscious once at least I can recognize but if I'm afraid, it'll knock me out. It'll make me unconscious. And I'll retreat to whatever behavior pattern happens to be sitting there waiting to take me over completely. And I may or may not wake up for 22 to 78 hours from that moment. But nonetheless, so what can I do oh, to pull myself that. back to consciousness? And that would be, well, stop. You, you really will have to learn the off switch for your brain. And then to... <clears throat> Well, you can <coughs> accept and allow whatever the circumstance is, then, you, then the circumstance is not owning you, you're owning it as soon as you accept and allow. And if you acknowledge, that's the, to me the latest trick I'm figuring out, and with help of course, but uh, with assistance of course, the figuring out and then you acknowledge it, this makes me upset because, then it, then it comes up to conscious. When it's unconscious, the whole thing comes at you. When, when you stop it and you make it conscious, it can go right through you without you providing resistance well, and, and to it. And that's, that's really what ascension is all about. I know yeah, people exactly. are talking about an ascension happening like a rapture or something like that, but really what ascension is, is getting to the place where you can see the larger view of things. And when you're not down in it, um, was it Drunvalo that said, if, if you live in fear, the outside creates the inside. Mm -hmm. If you live in love, the inside creates yeah. the outside. And it really is like that. And it's a matter of becoming more conscious, and that's what we open our show with every single week. It's about raising our consciousness collectively as, as beings. And it is important to see the larger view. 
And all the techniques and the, the information that we share is to get you to the place where you can be more conscious and see the motives behind things instead of tangling with somebody, instead of feeling like a victim when our, your boss is doing something. Why don't you look up and say, okay, what is his fear that he's operating under or her, she is under, and then deal with the fear instead of the, the whole thing. Okay, we have a call. Yeah, hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, I'm Nicole. Hi, hi. Nicole. How are you? Good, how oh, are better you? Better What can That's we do great. for you? Good. Um, well, my coworker actually encouraged me to call you, both of you. Um, mm -hmm. I had a very vivid dream, not last night, but the night before. Um, and um, actually, some of the stuff you've been talking about, actually, I, it's just amazing that I'm watching this because I um, go kind of with what my dream was. But I um, basically, um, I was in this hotel and I was looking down at two pools, and one of them was very dingy, and one was very clear and beautiful. Um, and I was thinking in my head, what if the ocean came into my house, and my the hotel uh, like dropped down to the ocean, and all of a sudden, all the waves were just coming into my home, and I wasn't scared of them, I wasn't afraid, they were just coming in, and I turned to my roommate, and I said to her, the power of your mind is an amazing thing. And the waves just kept coming in and I shut the door and the waves just stopped and that was it. <laughs> so it was wow. very vivid. Yeah, wow. it was very well done. I've had dreams like that before. That's really powerful. Well, is that all right or did you want to sure. go? No, go ahead or well, whatever I, that I was is. just thinking of the two pools, one clear and one dingy. Do you remember which side the clear one was on? Or yes, they... um, the clear one was on the left side. Okay. And uh, the dingy one was right below me. I was like looking over a balcony. Okay, and then the other was on, over on your left side. Oh, well, one of the things that that tells me is that you can, if there, I, I just heard decision right when you started talking about that. And, and later on, you did talk about decisions in your dreams, but this could be reflecting a decision you have in your life. And the fact that the clear pool was more on the left side that mm -hmm. is governed by right brain, which is your, your intuitive self. So it's saying, really listen to what your heart tells you and your instincts tell you, rather than looking straight down, means straight at it from the logical perspective, because you may not really see it clearly, because it was all jumbled up or, or um, sorry, um, how did, what was the word you used? Dingy. Dingy, yeah, dingy. And then the ocean coming in, it's showing you how your thoughts can create. And so the times where it doesn't even look like you have an, a way out or that you're powerless, that you do, just think something different and shut the door and put your boundaries up. And the ocean can represent consciousness and emotions. And perhaps one of the reasons that you um, haven't been able to make a certain decision is you're afraid it might all come cascading down. And that was telling you it doesn't have to if you just make the decision not to. Yeah. yeah. To me, the catchphrase in the whole dream was, what if the ocean comes in? And then, of course, it did. And you would enjoy reading the, the book, The Dreamist, because throughout The Dreamist, there is a subliminal teaching of the command of the dream. Uh, um, the main character in The Dreamist again and again and again loses command of the dream by having a question, by having a doubt. Um, within the dream and then the dream is taken over by some other force. So what if <clears throat> was 
uh, I believe Mary said, a decision, which is true. And the what if is giving up command, just as in life, in your waking life, when you say what if, you are voiding any decision about the creation of your life. In fact, the word if yanks the decision right out of you, if you know what I mean. And you knew what I meant till I said, if you know what I mean. And the word if marched into your mind, yanked the wiring, and left. Uh, so I am very, very aware of the code if, and what if is like amplified a thousand times. So nothing about you, I'm just saying uh, the word if is a very interesting word, but it does take your power from you in the event that you allow it. It doesn't have to, but because most of you know the human race, and we love the human race, we as a group are not very conscious yet. Some of us are actually bearing more and more light. I actually saw someone glowing the other day. I've seen went, that well, too. That's bam, interesting. That's, come over here. Well, yes, how are you doing that? Doing what? You I'm knew a firefly. Leave me alone. That's just you who I am. You knew what I meant. Okay. And it is this state of being where you're, you're just free. You're totally free, and you're, therefore light comes through you as opposed to the denser you are and the less light that comes through. And you can see this in people's eyeballs. And you can see, um, I was just seeing the person was translucent. Well, that is so true. And yeah. I, I notice that when I do work with people that have, let's say, emotional trauma and a lot of emotional stuff, and after the session, I can literally see more light emanating through, out of them. Yeah. And in different colors that may have been depleted with certain mm -hmm. certain things. So, wow! Well, thank you for that dream. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, excellent. and and it shows you that um, we do get a lot of training in our dreams. Because mm -hmm. I've had dreams like that where I thought a thought and it started happening, and so I thought another thought and it changed into the new thought. Yeah, yeah. And there's no difference between our dreams and physical reality, except that physical reality goes through our belief systems, which tends to slow it down quite a bit. So, yeah. well, thanks. It's Do we have true, another the call? waking dream. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hello, Mary Neville. This is Philip. Philip, Hi. hey, what can we thanks do for you? Thanks for calling. Hi. I, I frequently have dreams where I'm flying mm -hmm. in an airplane. You know, I take off. I know I'm going there. Somewhere in the middle, I miss something. I land. I, I'm frequently picking up my luggage, meeting people. There's people on, with me on the airplane. Recently, I had a dream I was on a biplane. I've traveled all over the world in my dreams, and I don't quite get it. So I'm going to let you now take care of this and okay. carry it away. I'll unmute my TV and let hear what you have to say. Great. Well, thanks, Phil. Well, right. one thing, uh, the, I have dream symbolism of airplanes as well. Now, for me, what they represent is going to a more ascended, a higher way of thinking, and that Typically, when I go on an airplane ride, it goes way high up in the sky, and it's more like a spiritual journey. So it represents my spiritual life. And the fact that you have a lot of dreams where you're taking your baggage and doing things like that, I think that you're working on things at a higher level because baggage can often represent our, our relationships with other people that, that, are, that it's time to review and let go and things that we carry around with us. Not necessarily a bad thing either and that you're meeting new people, sounds to me like you're preparing this whole new life. We always begin everything in spirit, and then it comes down into physical reality that you're, that you're exploring different things. And I thought it was interesting that you said the biplane, too, 
that this being this polar reality and the bi is usually means two yeah, yeah. that you're you're also exploring this these these two different belief systems and uniting them into one by going high up or not I mean I'm agreeing with your analysis I'm just saying that or that it's was very all wrong curious that was an incorrect completely not what I said at all <laughs> I'm making a joke oh okay okay go ahead uh, the idea of um, oh what's curious to me and uh, Phil I know you're already off the line but it would be interesting me, to me to know where you went in the biplane because that will be specifically a place where, see, where, when we teach, we've done so many shows suggesting that we, the human race, switch into Trinity thinking from bipolar thinking, which will be a much more ascended version of thinking because in Trinity thinking, the concept of right and wrong vanishes. And in bi polar thinking, which is the way the majority of we who are unconscious think, um, the switch off. So where you go in the biplane has to do with the state of advance you're talking to yourself about. So if the biplane went to LA, you know, say LA, then that would be a place where there's the possibility of landing in a very bipolar method of thinking, which is, forgive me, LA. Not, not not exactly off the money. Whereas if you went to Maine, for example, uh, well, we could see there very clearly. So uh, just yeah, there, uh, call in again some other time, and we'd love to hear more yeah, dreams. We dreams. love when people call in. But it is important to understand the when you are interpreting dreams is to understand where you start from and where you're going. And you can even interpret a dream by just talking about the action of the dream going to an airport, flying, arriving somewhere else, and then use that as a metaphor of something in your life. And the fact that you have those dreams a lot, airplanes do mean a lot to you. And what I would do is say, what do airplanes represent to me? What is my history with them? And what are my thoughts about them? Is this something that just happens very rarely in this exotic travel where you go and you end up somewhere new? Or do you travel a lot for business? As you can see, that that's going to have a lot of different connotations depending on what it means to you. But thank you, Philip. Yeah, it was an excellent a great call. dream. We'd love to hear more That's dreams. That's another thing. Our, our dream time really reflects a lot of things about our motives and motives of other people. And what I'm talking about is not to pay attention to other people's motives so you can say, oh, look, their motives are bad. They're just trying to get my uh, car, borrow my car or whatever. I mean, uh, that may be one aspect of it. But what I'm talking about is look at motives and to get to the place of compassion. I recently posted something on Facebook that, that where I was talking about as we're moving out of codependency, sometimes the pendulum swings to the other extreme, and then we're over here only looking at the world from our own eyes, and we can get very, turn into very harsh critics that way, where every person's, every little thing that we conceive is wrong, of, wrong with them based on our system of rules, we condemn them. And so it's important to find our balance point and know that we're all irritating. We all make people mad at some times. We all do. What, and, and it's a matter of being tolerant. I woke up a couple days ago feeling like tolerance is the word of the day. That tolerance doesn't mean I'm going to give in to somebody's irritating thing. What it does mean is I'm going to accept it. And if we carry that further by looking at their motives, their motives are, well, he's acts that way because he had this kind of an upbringing, he was taught this, then we can have compassion and actually start working with people 
and and uh, people can heal easier. Oh, absolutely. Instead of resisting it and condemning it. Yeah, for those that have been wondering, this is indeed a bum. A bum. No, it's not. It's actually a crystal case. The crystal I normally have on the show is something I built for this just out of uh, uh, to have a hard to have a hard uh, shell case for the crystal in particular because it bounces around. I think these are quite interesting. I can probably manufacture um, such a thing, a hard shell crystal case, if you have a particular crystal you're interested in. But uh, just for people to know, as opposed to this being uh, something that it's not and something you were curious about. But people, we've we've done so many shows on crystals, and you have a beautiful yeah. We're going to do one pretty soon. There. This is yeah. one of those star rose quartz things. Mm -hmm. But we are going to do a show on crystals again. We have done we do really advanced classes in crystal gridding, and the the advanced practitioners thing is really really fun. We do get a lot of experience using crystals oh, to yeah. create and things like so that. Crystals are a very powerful method of amplify. Amplification, well, not that it would be required in a certain level of consciousness, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, boys and toys, we humans seem to, tools well, and toys seem an to be what thing. we do. We, yeah. go, we go on a roller coaster ride or go to the movies in order to feel better, to, to lighten our vibrational frequency. We meditate in order to do that, and holding crystals certainly do, does that as well. And they act as an amplifier of our intentions, and they act as a microphone in a speaker mm -hmm. to to conduct a lot of other things too but this whole thing with motives when we we're having a conversation about this earlier today we were talking about victims and sometimes our whole motive in life is to remain in our victimhood or the roles that we're playing in life because they worked for instance if somebody got sick and that they get the love and the attention that they really feel they need and they that that they're looking for in life well then it does not pay for them to leave that victimhood because then they're leaving love. And so if you are stuck somewhere and you feel like, why am I staying here? This obviously isn't the best thing for me. I don't understand it intellectually, but I can't let go of it. There is a bottom line. There is something holding you there. There is some payoff in there and it's important to look at, it, at that. So if we say, I'm always a victim when it comes to work and I'm blaming everybody because they're always dumping work on me, well, what it does that role give you? What is the payoff from that role? And once you get that, you can find that from a much truer source, and you can let go of that part of you. And as we were talking about just the subject of victims, I got to thinking, again, that pendulum swings over, and everybody is anti-victim now. Don't be a victim. Quit being a victim. And it leaves some of us, when, when our people in general, it leaves them at a place when something is does seem to be victimizing them. It leaves them as this guilty person standing there, and often they'll suppress their, their feelings and their emotions that have to do with that. So we've got to get out of the victim trinity, for sure, the victim, victimizer, and rescuer. But we have to go to a more ascended place and not just condemn all that. We have to look as, what is my payoff from having this quote-unquote negative thing happen to me? And what is my gift? And my lesson. We have a caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Marion Neville. It's Cheryl. How are you? Good. Oh, how are you? How are you? Um, good, thank you. Excellent. What can we I've, do for you? I've called over 
I don't know how many years I've been watching you guys now, and I tend to ask you questions when I'm really dealing with a lot of growth uh, activity, and mm -hmm. your topic tonight on motivations has really been a very strong topic for me in the past few months because mm -hmm. I was wondering, and I'll try to explain this in a, in a simple way, it's not simple, but yeah. <laughs> um, technically, I guess you could say I've, I've been uh, told that I'm kind of a borderline uh, personality disorder. It's not that I have multiple personalities, but because of my experiences, I have certain uh, types of emotions or uh, activities that have happened to me that I've had trouble processing. And, and so that particular part of my uh, mental and emotional state kind of gets stunted and scared and doesn't really grow and connect with the rest of me. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all part of me. I just have trouble accessing it completely, yes. if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And I work with people along these lines all the time. And, yeah. and you describe that beautifully, by the way. That's exactly it, what it, happens. It's difficult to describe it. <laughs> no, you did it very well. And but, literally what um, happens is whatever that trauma or whatever was, does tra not literally, but it traps a piece of cognitive awareness behind yes. it until you process it and then it can come up here. But sometimes it's too big to process. So there are ways that you can process it without having to uh, run around it or hide behind it or whatever. But anyway, right. what did you have a question? I didn't want to take you off on a tangent. I, I, I do. Well, okay. Um, my question is that uh, I, have, I have different levels of ages with the different emotions that are uh, kind of trapped, okay. and I realize that I need to accept all of those ages and emotions in order to heal and, and be whole, because they all have validity in, in one respect or another, even though it may be difficult for me to see that. And my question is with the motivation piece, mm -hmm. I, I've worked really hard to get out of the whole victim mindset, and sometimes I'm much better at it than others. Mm -hmm. My question is when the pieces that are trapped seem to have competing motivation, how do you keep the integrity of both and yet find a balance between well, that? Well, I'll just answer this and then I'll turn over to you. I know you have something yeah, to say. but. One of the things that's so interesting, we were dubbing a show from back in 2001, and, and we were talking about this. This was a technique that came to me in automatic writing a long time ago, and I've since refined it, and I work with this all the time, is I, I viewed it as being, picture being in a cab, and one person says go to the movies, they want, the other person says go to the zoo, and there's like five people back there. The cab driver may or may not ever go anywhere. And it's the same thing as our belief conflicts, and there really isn't any difference if there are these emotional bodies, because it's really the same thing. And the way to get them integrated is to rise up so high that you make a statement or a decision after having listened to all these components. Because these components don't necessarily want their way. They may not be 
uh, cognizant enough to make their, the general decision for the entirety of us. But we all have pieces of us that may or may not have a full-fledged decision. And it's not a matter of it getting its way. It's a matter of it being heard. So I recommend to people to take several different colors of pens. Like let's say part of you wants to quit your job, but another part says, I'll never be able to survive. I'm not going to let that happen. So even if you quit your job, you never go have your adventure. So you get two different colors of pens and say, I'm worried about quitting our job because we have to have money. This side says, but I really want to go off and just have some, a summer of fun. And you t talk it through, or you come up with a larger, larger unifying statement, a unifying statement that will encompass the truths of all aspects of you. Okay. Okay, and Neville? Well, there's actually quite a bit to this because... I agree. The idea of you languaging yourself as uh, shattered, as spread over all these things. Now, everybody goes through this at one point or another, where part Every of them... Every <laughs> part, Yeah, part of them would do this, part of them would do that. And you're, you're speaking and thinking of it as though it is this great detriment, and that in and of itself is not necessary or less serving you than it could be. The <clears throat> anything that is out of line, let us say a pimple, okay? Okay. Okay, so that is something that will correct itself basically by just allowing it to be. But as soon as someone says, pimple, uh, that's it. The thing is solid. It, it, it will reoccur for simply years to come because of this um, uh, terminology, <laughs> terminology um, and this is what we don't want to do. We want to do, in fact, exactly the opposite. We so I'm, I'm working with it too much. Exactly. Uh, just let this go. Now, let me just put in this concept. Okay. In order for you to see yourself as fragmented in different times and different places, something has to be looking at that. You see what I'm saying? Something mm -hmm. has to be looking at those different places. Yes? Yes. Okay. One thing is looking at many different places, right? So the one thing is whole. The one thing is you. Okay. The other things are, what are they? We don't even know. They're, they're, they're waves on a pond, ripples in a puddle. They're a particular focus, but they'll go away right away. As soon as you get into the habit, into the focus, into the being of being the thing that's observing all this, instead of, instead of thinking yourself, oh, today I'm a child, today I'm an adolescent, today I'm a young adult, today I'm 90, today I'm 110, today I'm a baby. Instead of going through that, that's all you, one you. You that is um, the term consciousness. You that is advanced awareness. You that is awareness. Right. The awareness. Okay. Now, as soon as you start to, as soon as you say, oh, I'm the baby today, awareness. Oh, yeah, okay, I see why that happened. Oh, I'm the adolescent. Awareness. Huh? Okay. There it is. All right. So that, something where... sets off these... Well, that's where listening to all these aspects, like I was saying, where you, yeah. I'm just giving the technique to do it, where you that's write them down, you hear them. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was from the unified uh, thought, 
where you hear all those points of view. And I'm just saying the same thing. In yeah, other words. yeah, yeah. I was just um, uh, to put the thing together is put to it together, Neville. Bring it home. To be in the process of changing your identity from whatever fragment to the thing that observes. That's exactly what I'm saying, thing. and yes, I agree so with you. So we were saying the yeah. whole thing. We yeah. were coming to that okay. conclusion. Yeah. So our caller, do you understand that? Because the duck's yeah. about to be here. Yeah, the okay, duck's so, coming, but... So set yourself in that awareness of you, in that... Be that the observer. Consciousness. Be yeah. the observer. See how you feel. I, exactly. And, and what I do, I write stream of consciousness, and then once you have it all there, then you're the master because you've heard it all. Because everything okay. just wants to be heard. Yeah. And once okay. you hear it, it doesn't have to impose anymore. And yeah. if you have time, Mary, you could you give me it. a reading? Sure. And, and write, write, because there is a lot to say about this. Um, maybe we'll do a show about it, but definitely write email or something. Or yeah, because a okay. lot of people are going through this. Okay. And, this and it's Cheryl, right. right? Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Thank right. you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bye-bye. All righty. Duck time. Yeah, I, I think we could um, explain that in a more concise way. So maybe we'll do a whole show about that. I sure. think that would be really good. Excellent. I was kind of rushing through because I knew you had some things. Hey, there's Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. It's a duck. Look at the camera. Duck, duck, goose. I no, got flexibility and kindness. Expectancy. Expectancy. <clears throat> hmm. Okay. Expect. If you're flexible, you can expect kindness. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so shall I give Cheryl a reading? Sure. Is there anything you wanted to say before I do? Um, well, the, the point being that uh, not, to, not to translate this into solidity, the way you I know agree. a doctor will just go in there and turn it into this solid thing. That's true. And as long as you just allow it to be without putting that connotation on it. Well, I had that reaction too because I think yeah. we've really gotten into labels and once we're labeled we really yeah, start becoming labeling. whatever that role mm. is and that's really a lot about what our topic is. Yeah. So I was going to comment about that too so I'm glad that you brought that up and don't say I'm borderline or I'm this. You're a beautiful divine light and just be that and we all have those components. It's called what they call yeah. soul retrieval. Okay. Is. So Cheryl this is the wheel of change, and perhaps um, some things that had happened to you in the past was, were things that were changing, and you were not in the center, but you were on the outer edges, and it felt like a dangerous thing that change was dangerous. But the more you, you connect to the idea that you're creating it, that you've always had a hand in it, and you've always de designed it, even though it may be from a level that you're not conscious of right now, it makes it a lot more of a safe universe and you can bring that higher consciousness more into your life and that's the thing that both Neville and I were getting at we did not have the time to really go into it in more detail but essentially it's rising up above it so mm -hmm. that you can see it as a whole as long as you see yourself as fragments then you'll see fragments kind of thing yeah and the fact that you're seeing more than one you that's the giveaway yeah. hi caller what's your name please Michelle Michelle what can we do for you I would like a reading, please. Okay, be most happy to. Okay, the first card we get is the dream. Interesting that we were doing dreams tonight. This can talk about a dream and, and paying attention to uh, dreams that you've had. But one of the things I feel is that there's been something you've been thinking of for a long time and there, there seems to be always something that comes and stops it or seems to be more important or something like that. 
And essentially what it's saying is don't sell yourself short. Just know that you can get it and that you don't have to go and say, let me start over. I am feeling like I want to walk here, but I'm always looking over here to see, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's not really allowing me to live my life. And so don't go looking and comparing to anything else that you think you should or would be better for you to be. Just focus on where you're walking because there's so much artistic, creative energies with you. And sometimes you don't really let that creative flow out because you're judging yourself. And so start looking in areas that you may be feeling that way and you'll see a lot of openings come. What would you like to say? Did you want to say something? Oh, no, I really I thought, have nothing I to were, say. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll okay. comment if I have something to say. Okay. Oh, I thought you were ready to say something. That's why I asked. No, no, caller? not at all. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, my name is Anna, and I would like a reading from Mary. Um, basically, on my daughter, it's been very difficult for her to listen to me, and she's four years old, and I'm a single mom, and I wanted to see what the cards say about that okay and maybe that will help me <laughs> okay what a okay. great thing to call for okay you thank know, you sure my pleasure uh, uh, the first thing I got before I even drew the cards was one of the things we as mothers do and there's that this mother's guilt the, yeah if you have to be away from your kids and work we feel guilty for that if we're home and we feel like we want to go off and live more of a life we feel like we're betraying our kids or if our kids are sick we feel like oh no I, I wasn't a good enough mother what I was getting here is kids, like dogs, and I'm, I'm not making a, a, a negative comparison here, really have to have a hierarchy. And when we feel guilty, we tend to put ourselves down here as an authority figure, and it makes them feel like they have to gain control over things. And so she orders you around, and it's almost like in the back of her mind she's got that she's the alpha dog, so to speak. And I think being very clear and definite that I love you, I respect you, you are perfect as you are, but here are our rules. And make, I remember I used to say no to my kids a lot. No, no, no. And I read an article in Red Book, this one when they were really little, that said, don't say no unless you mean it. And if you say it, you have to follow through with what you say no to. If you don't mean it, then don't say it and just let it go. If you don't care if they're jumping on the couch, just let them. Whatever it is, whatever your rules are. And start out with that, and I really feel like that's saying that, and, and to pay attention to where you are right now and live in the moment, be in the now with it, and not worried about having to pick her up late from daycare or, or whatever that is. And she's going to feel really safe then, because I think that, that this going inside your mind, and I don't know if that's with her father or whatever, any kind of that conflict, keep that in up there and let this very clear parenting come through and you'll find that she really will start listening. And that will help you to understand as well what she's looking for. She will then start listening and hearing you because she wants to have that, that, uh, those sets of rules around her. Anyway, that's what I got. Okay, do we have another call? Hi, caller, what's your name, please? Hi, this is Edith. Hey, Edith. Edith, what can we do for you? Oh, I just like a reading tonight. Okay. Thank you. Sure. anything okay okay uh, participation this this is one of the things that this says is that if we don't participate in our life 
we can't sit there and say X, Y, and Z isn't happening if we don't consciously say, okay, I'm going to do something. Well, I feel like you got to the place where you said, I am making decisions and I'm going to do some actions to ground that and to validate that. And as a result of that, things really started moving. And then it got to this place where it was really breaking past boundaries that you've lived before or that, that you've had before. And sometimes it's like, okay, what do I do now? I almost feel like I'm, I'm free-floating. I got out of an old prison, but where am I now and where am I going? And right now I really feel using that, that, that energy where you are is just to float, much like this card is showing, just floating out in space. And I was even seeing the stars being effervescent bubbles of insight and wisdom and just letting them bubble up. Time of meditation and, and really focusing and being clear and not getting engaged in too many external activities because there's a lot of wisdom coming up. So thank you, Edith. Okay. And do we have another caller? We do. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name is Sue. Sue, what can we do for you? I would love a reading. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. And for those that that um, have never seen readings before, this isn't like the superstitious where the card has some dictating uh, power over your life. It's an insight thing. It's a way to speak a higher language with yourself. Well, the suppression says that we often do this, and I, I kind of got a picture of family members, and I'm not sure if this is referring to you or if I'm picking this up from somebody else, but I just kept hearing like or feeling that there were a lot of sisters around or something. That, that, that there's some kind of an energy or these roles that we play within our family that sometimes it, it, it translates with our interactions with our family, but it'll translate with our interactions outside of the family where we feel like I've just got to consider all these factors before I even make one step. And it's saying to focus more on your intuitive self because it will always lead you to the optimum solution for all concerned in that you are a very intuitive and psychic person and as you have that, um, make that decision, if we look at the suppression not really knowing and then the intuitive self saying, okay, I can make that decision, then you just take the leap of faith. It's believing is seeing. I must first trust that, um, that what's coming is the right thing and, and validation will come later. And so this is saying look for a new uh, job change or some new thing coming where you can travel into different places. So thank you. Yeah, and we're about to be at Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle. If you're out and about and would like to join us, please come. Uh, we always have a good time there. And uh, well, Saturday night is our new moon, or me, our fire ceremony event, which mm -hmm. is a very good thing to attend because you'll get insights. Yes, you'll see a different part of the world there which you might not normally see. We've been doing this for... We've been doing actually the, this ceremony nonstop for a dozen years now. And uh, so it has quite a bit of momentum behind it. It is a vegetarian potluck. And, uh, more is on the web. Uh, more is on the web. And, and you're doing please a Merkaba later email. in the month. Yeah, at the end of the month I'll be doing the Merkaba. Please to email if you're coming to the New Moon event. Yes, So please. we uh, can uh, regulate certain things about it. And uh, the Merkaba, for those that are unaware, is a particular form of meditation that I have, uh, from the very beginning, called the auric field makeover, but that's um, such a surface statement about it. It does change 
the energy patterning around yourself and uh, can open up untold vistas, Merkaba. Uh, ka, we all know the word ka, life force. Ba means body in this particular case. And uh, Mer uh, is talking about a vehicle. So it's a vehicle for life force in your body is one translation of it. Very, very long time ago, Trunvalo um, taught us the uh, Merkaba. And um, we're passing along that tradition. And then I have a whole bunch more information uh, for having done it for going on, I don't know how many years now, but uh, Merkava. So you may, uh, end of the month, it's on the website. That uh, it's, this is the end of the month, so it's probably next month. <laughs> end, end <laughs> Pardon of next me. month. It's the end of some month. It's Pick somewhere. A month you like. It's on the kit. It's on the And thing. yeah, it's on the telepathictv.com. And uh, so I've been doing uh, past lives uh, apparently a lot lately. I do past lives and palm readings, so that may interest people. And you were oh. about to say? And do check out the website. You can watch a lot of the episodes there. You can play with the inner wisdom cards and spirit animal cards in a psychic development game. And it was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And thank you for attending. It's all that cafe latte. I could have as many cafe lattes as I want to have. <laughs>